Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Good day to you. This is Brad Zockel, and this is the Question About Heaven podcast. We have been going through a number of questions about eternity, about the kingdom of God and God the Father himself, Jesus Christ, and the realization of who he actually is. We've talked about this. The book of Revelation has 22 chapters. It was written and completed about 92 AD. The writer as designated by God, is the writer John. He is writing while he is imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos, and the vision that he gives is an incredible one. The opening chapter is the introduction of Jesus, who Jesus really is, and the second and third chapter talk about the present churches of that time and the instruction they should have and the condition that they should be in in order to present this gospel. There are seven churches, Five of them are chastised because of failings within their uh, congregation and in their ministry. Two of them, Smyrna and Philadelphia, are commended and they are given hope. And that's really what this whole, uh, the whole book, all 22 chapters, is really hope for the believer in the midst of the persecution of this day and in lives beyond of the Christians down through the ages how they suffered at the hands of governments or groups or individuals, persecutions and and hardships. And in the midst of all this, when life on earth seems so hard, there is a joyful expression that justice will be done, joy will be found in heaven. Matthew chapter 25 says that the good, good, a real good title given to the existence of the Christian in eternity is the joy of the Lord. Now, we are talking about the future here, which will culminate in the new heaven and the new earth of Revelation 21 and 22. But while we're looking at these judgments and all of this, the expression of what is happening, that has not happened yet. The resurrection has not happened yet. The residents in heaven are seeing in anticipation of what will come when Jesus does uh, come down victorious in the Armageddon battle and in the millennial kingdom. All of that is in the future. Chapter 4 started off the future part of Revelation. We called it the meta-tauta section. Meta meaning after, tauta this, the after this, the hereafter, the future. Now, this section is going to take us all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. It'll take us to Revelation 22. starts in chapter 4. The judgments on earth of the future will start in chapter 6 and go to chapter 19. The other parts we'll talk about in heaven will go back and forth in the view of heaven. And then in the last chapters of chapter 20, 21, and 22, we're going to see eternity as viewed in heaven and then in the new earth and the new heaven as well. So, We have moved from the introduction of heaven, which was in uh, the looking at the throne, God's throne in Revelation chapter 4, which emanated brilliant colors and uh, told us so much 
about God's power and majesty, and we talked about the celebration of the heavenly beings and the angels and the elders in that chapter. Now we go to chapter 5, and as we go there, we're looking at not so much the throne, but there seems to be an emphasis upon one particular thing. It's the theme of this chapter. I'm going to now read this, and then let's go break it down, okay? John is speaking now. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty, strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? But no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even look in it. And I wept and wept, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look in it. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Look, behold, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he is able to open the scrolls and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne, and the four living creatures and among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into the earth. He went and took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. Now that takes us to verse 7. Let's break this down and let's talk about this. What a magnificent scene here as we're looking at it. What in the world is this all supposed to mean? We're looking here and we're talking about the main point of this chapter. It's not the throne. It's obviously, as you see it, it's the scroll. God has, in effect, opened up his hand and he is displaying a scroll there. This scroll has a great significance because it's causing an emotional response here from John. John is interplaying within this. As he writes, he interacts with what's going on here. Makes for a very, very vivid uh, illustration of what is going on in eternity in here. And it says here, as we see God is on the throne, it's like John starts squinting and says, well, now look, there seems to be something that is over in, in the hand of God. It is a scroll. Now, this scroll is written on front and back. Now, that's not uncommon. When there was a real estate transaction, there were times whenever they would finish the writings of all of the plot lines and the, if you want to say in today's parlance, the mineral rights and the waterways and such. And it might take so much that they would write on the other side. So this is, this is not uh, very uncommon. This is just telling you there is plenty here for us to consider. Now, when you would read these, you would read these horizontally. You would read these on here. You're going to take a look and going across in different columns, all right? Now, we tend to read up to uh, down, and on here, we're reading here the left and the right. The writing is over here, and it is sealed with each section. You'll see it's sealed. So it's almost like you keep opening up doorways and getting the next part. This was fairly common in those days. It gave you a an ability to keep things private 
and there might be an acceptance to read the first seal, but maybe not the rest of them. And seven seals is telling you this is for some pretty detailed things. You're going to hold this in your hand, and you're going to kind of rotate your wrist and read along the line as you're reading horizontally. You're moving the scrolls in your hand so that it's kind of sliding over to the side as you continue to read here. And so, uh, as we're reading this, you would take this and make it, and if it's a legal document, you're going to seal it, all right? You're going to take strings, any kind of a cord, and you're going to seal it. Now, there are two ways that you could seal it. You could seal it with wax, or you could seal it with clay. And in a finding in Jerusalem, they did find uh, some of the uh, bule, is what they're called, the, uh, the clay seals that were uh, connected to uh, the writings on official, uh, an official parchment. And they were there, and they were sealed, and you would reach your hand underneath the string and squeeze it. So actually, your thumbprint became uh, really part of your trademark if you were a scribe, and you would seal it over the interconnecting twine so that if somebody were to try to get in, they would have to break that seal only by official permission that could happen, and they were sealed. Now, this one here says it was sealed with seven seals. Now, all of this is under one scroll. These seals have to be opened consecutively, one by one as you move deeper into the scroll. This scroll must have some significance. I mean, if it has all of these layers and it has this great significance, and even within these layers, it's written on the front and the back. What is this? Well, you know, uh, there have been times in the past here, within the past years, I have had to handle for family members their last will and testament, something that they have had that has a great authority. Bible scholars seem to agree that this looks like this is God's will, but not his last will, but it's his will. It could be set as like, when you say the last will and testament, this would be a testament. This could be what he is saying is the conclusion of all the matters to settle the universe. What has to happen here? You see, in Roman law, whenever they would talk about a will to be drawn up, they would use seven seals on that. So that can kind of give us an illustration here on this. This is could be if I were to write a will, there are designations that I have that this should go in this direction, this should be done with my property, this would be my desire, and that seems to be what is going on here. This has a great mystery, but that seems to be what we could talk about here. What God wants to happen with the church, what's his purpose, and what should happen to bring this about. And in this, he already has control of the universe, and with the fall of man, with the attacks of Satan, and with the cataclysmic events to come, God is holding in his hand what is going to happen, his purposes, and who should direct that. Now, when we see this on this right now, we see that the Lord is holding this in his hand. But there's a problem here. I'm reading in verse 2. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scrolls and to loose its seals. No one in heaven or earth, or even under the earth, 
was able to open the scroll or even to look at it. And John starts sobbing. And I wept much because no one was found worthy to open the, read the scroll or to look on it. Now, this could be this strong angel. We don't know. Michael, Gabriel, we're not told. We don't know. And maybe it's best that the angel is anonymous because that's not the key to this. The key is what is happening with this scroll. The challenge brought is could someone come forward and have the right to open the scroll? But John looks around. It's almost as if he is standing next to the strong angel and they're both gazing across the horizon to all the beings there. You know, those that are in heaven were also there. Think about it. Mary, Joseph, Abraham, John, Peter, uh, these, these residents, they're in heaven. Okay? And as they're there, none of the New Testament saints, none of the Old Testament saints, no one is able to get this and see the authority, have the authority to be able to see what's inside. No one is able to handle this, too. John just weeps. He just starts crying because maybe he's saying then, we'll never know. We'll never know the direction. Or maybe things are going to be the way that they always are. Satan is going to have dominion over the earth. It doesn't look like we're going to have a direct answer. Or maybe we'll just never get to know what the future holds here. And so he is crying. Now, when he looks, no one's found worthy. The elders come over. One of the elders comes over and says, don't weep. You can stop weeping. And he gives an instructive name, which is of great import. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. This is a powerful series of titles. And we take a look in Genesis and we see that this lion reference is prophetic. In Genesis chapter 49, verses 9 and 10, it says, Judah is a young lion. My son, you return from the kill. He crouches. He lies down like a lion or a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah or the staff from between his feet until he whose right it is comes and the obedience of the people belongs to him. This is one of the prophetic uh, passages that tell you that the Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. Isaiah chapter 31 and verse 4 is also in reference to this. For this is what the Lord said to me, as a lion or a young lion growls over its prey when a band of shepherds is called out against it and is not terrified by their shouting or subdued by their noise. So the Lord of armies will come down to fight on Mount Zion and on its hill. You have these references. We also have one in Hosea. Hosea chapter 11 and verse 10. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. This is strength. This is power. This is leadership. This is kingship. King of the beasts, the lion. And this is also alertness. A lion is on the prow, is moving. Now you take this very strong title referencing Jesus and then you also give this one, the root of David. In Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 10, there's a reference to this. On that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the people. This is prophetic. 
The nations will look to him for guidance, and his resting place will be glorious. That's the root of David, referring to Jesus. And Jesus says in Revelation 22 and verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to attest to these things to you for the church. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. This talks about, if you talk about the family tree, don't worry about the branches. Go to the root of the family. As magnificent as David was, as beloved by God as David was, the root of David is Jesus Christ. So this root, this lion is to come forward with the introduction of the elder, but John sees something totally different. And in our next study, we'll talk about that. Let's have a good, good reflection on what we've studied so far in Revelation chapter 5 and move onward. Thanks so much for listening. Let's continue our study in our next podcast. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.